0: This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Hi, everyone. So I've been recording something ahead of the podcast every week to set where we are with the podcast and set up the guest, but it becomes repetitive at the start. And also, it's something that's taking some time that I don't have at the moment. So I want to keep doing more than work, but I also need to try to manage it better. And one thing I'm going to do is stop doing the recording at the front. I don't know if it adds anything to the podcast so I think it's just nice to let you guys get into the podcast going forward and if I have any news I have to share I can share it but really I think some of the stuff I share is stuff I don't even tell my friends sometimes so anyway from this podcast on you should get right into it I think that'll optimize things for the listener and a little bit for me from the production I really love doing this podcast I really love sharing the guests with you and i might get back to doing this part in the front again later on but right now in order to keep bringing you the podcast every week this is the part that i decided i have to cut i have a good friend who was on the podcast before jim who was talking to me just yesterday about what things i can eliminate and i don't want to eliminate the podcast but i just want to take out this part so thank you jim i did listen to your advice and here's the podcast Hey, everyone. My guest today is Sarah Deacon. She's a life balance coach for better adulting, plus a lot more. So we'll be getting into that. So thanks for being on, Sarah.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So where am I talking to you from today?
1: I am coming at you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Nice.
0: I actually made a friend there recently in a class that I've been in, or not recently, in the last year and a half. And I'm, I joined a board of an organization in Milwaukee. So I kind of have a connection to your city for the first oh, time nice. in my life. Yeah. So how, how's it going there? It's, I guess, getting warm, right?
1: Yes. Yes. We are winding down the school year. So it's crazy making time for the kids that are be- still kind of cooped up in school for the next week. And then the weather's all nice, and it's light out later, and they don't want to go to bed and
0: <laughs> all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So the life of the, the parents, but it's nice that they're back
1: in school, I assume. Yes. Yeah. They've been They've yeah. been in school all year. That's great.
0: Yeah, I think because you're a parent that works. And I think that probably had to be a lot, a lot of change for you last year versus...
1: Yeah, last year was it. It was interesting. (laughs) It was interesting. My kids, they did okay. I have a middle schooler who, you know, didn't do great with the virtual learning. So when they were able to go back, he he went back and, and then my, my middle son is 10 and this year he's in the fourth grade, but in the third grade, he just, he really missed a lot of his friends. He missed seeing, mm-hmm. seeing his, his people. He's, he's social like I am. So I could go and say, okay, I'm going to do a lot of virtual networking or whatever, but he didn't quite have the same Ability, but he was able to study with one of his friends who we watched during the school year for his parent who worked. So that was Mm -hmm. helpful for all of us because just having an extra friend in the house just is better for everyone. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm sure. And I mean, I just, I don't know. I know what I went through during that time just being by myself, but I know for people with kids and people with families, that was a lot different. And so I think actually, maybe we should just start off with what you do because I think it'll be interesting to hear too if this affected how you think of your job just dealing with your kids at home but so you are a coach and that's what we're talking about when you say life balance coach but mm-hmm. can you talk about your coaching and kind of what you what you do and who you coach
1: yeah absolutely i actually came to life coaching Sort of because of the pandemic, I had been in postpartum care before. So I would go into homes and help with new babies and help families and support them emotionally and physically and, you know, all the things informationally. That was a big one. And so I even before 2020, I had been considering adding coaching to those services. But once 2020 hit and I really lost the momentum with the in-person support, in postpartum, I did that thing that we don't like to talk about the P word pivot, I had to pivot mm-hmm. and and then basically, I, I turned all the way around. And I turned toward towards the full coaching because I could do that virtually, I could do that over the phone, I could do that online from anywhere. And, and then coming to coach the, the teenagers and young people, I that was more of a as I began coaching and practicing with people, I knew more and more people started to ask me, "Hey, do you work with teenagers? Because they could really use some support." And mm. as I sat with that and really looked into it, the, the struggles again that we have gone through the last couple of years has really it's really been hard on people who were in high school or coming out of high school, the ones who missed graduation or who missed those. Those milestone events, the homecomings, the games, the sports, there are a lot of kids whose identities were literally wrapped up in the sport they played or the activity they did and they ended up just being really lost. So that was, again, it pulled at my heart and I'm just like, yeah, that's where I need to be. That's who I need to talk to because so much of our confidence and our ability to make good choices comes from the way we see ourselves and who we think we are. I guess the really short version of the last couple years and how I came to coaching, and then how I came to coach the younger, the younger adults, the new, the new adults. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And I guess
0: what's interesting is I've had coaches on the podcast before one relationship coach and one business coach, but Mm -hmm. it's, It's interesting how at different points in our life we'll need different kinds of guidance because as someone, you know, in my 40s, of course, I have the baggage of the last 40 years and whatever's come from my professional career and personal relationships and stuff. And so what are the issues you mentioned a little bit, but what are the issues that you have ended up focusing on? that are similar to adults, but also what what's different,
1: right? Well, and as I've I've talked to adults, I talked to a lot of business owners and a lot of other coaches, too, as I talk to them, they say, you know, I say, I work with people who are new to adulting, and some of the their responses are, well, I feel like I'm new to adulting some days, too. (laughs) (laughs) And we have, you know, tools, and we've been able to develop and hone our skills, of how to cope with various things when things change unexpectedly Mm -hmm. or when we are disappointed or going through grief. We know that there are places and people that we can reach out to for support for these things, whether it's friends, family, or professionals, different services that are out there. And so a lot of the issues are the same that I talk with the teenagers and the adults. It's just that the teenagers are more like, kind of, i don't i don't want to say entirely blank slates but they kind of are they are sponges they are open to learning how to cope and how to how to get that that foundation of stability or confidence inside themselves because they really do want to own their future they want to step up they want to make a difference they're super empathetic they're super caring kind passionate compassionate i mean they have just so much to give, and they really do want to make a difference. And a lot of adults do too. I'm not discounting mm-hmm. that or dismissing that, but just it it is really exciting because this the specific people I work with are the the kids who are driven. they're passionate. They have a lot of opportunities. and then they just kind of get overwhelmed. It's sort of that analysis paralysis where there's so many good choices that they are wondering which choice will be the right one or the best one or the one they really want to do. And that comes in with, with my coaching. Then we, we get to the root of, well, who are you? What, what kind of, what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of life do you want to have? And then let's look at where your passions are, what your values are and see what we can come up with together, how to move Mm -hmm. forward into your adulthood in a way that aligns with all of those things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's almost identifying their values early. Mm-hmm. Cause I think a lot of us don't really do that. We think we know who we are mm-hmm. and then I don't know, like don't live in a way that's aligned to the values we think we right. have.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a thing that's been passionate. You know, a passion of mine is the you know, just living the values and mm-hmm. one of my core values is creativity. So I am working on, you know, let's bring the creativity into my business, into my family life, into, you know, if I I, ha- I also have my part-time job teaching martial arts. So that is a, an opportunity to to bring a different side, a different type of creativity. So that that's something I'm really passionate about. I'm passionate about connecting with people because we are all connected. So I very much try to walk my talk when it comes to living my values. Mm -hmm. And that again was something I really didn't learn explicitly to do, to name and to, you know, be intentional about until I'm, you know, an adult. So the way I'm raising my kids is to be more aware of that. Okay. Here's what, here's what the values are. Here's what they mean. Here's how to show up and here's how to behave Mm -hmm. in a way that aligns with it. And that's, you know, what I'm hoping to do for the teens I work with as well is getting them, you know, early able to be intentional, be in alignment and be authentic to who they are as they, as they make decisions about their, their life, their future. It's, it's not necessarily going to go always the way they want it to, but if mm-hmm. they have that core foundation of I'm living with my values, I'm making the right choice for me, then they can better cope with those changes or those setbacks or those hiccups in the, in the plan.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Yeah. And it's part of just getting resilience yeah. too. So uh, one thing I do like to ask, people who coach is how do you view coaching versus therapy mm. and when do you think someone can benefit from a coach versus you saying actually this requires something else
1: yeah I, I think there's a lot of overlap I actually have a niece who is an art therapist and so mm. we get together and we kind of geek out over how we help people and a lot of it is similar because you know there is in therapy there's a lot of looking back at old patterns you know, behaviors, mm-hmm. programming, and things like that. With coaching, there seems to be more of an emphasis on looking forward, looking ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, what got you where you are now, there's nothing wrong with it. And what got you here won't get you to your next level. So then we look at some of those past behaviors and patterns and programming. And then we work on undoing it so that we can move. Therapists and coaches can work very well in collaboration, just as part of an overall wellness team. If you're dealing with severe trauma, abuse, major grief, like that's not going to be my wheelhouse because I don't have the medical type of training that can navigate some of those issues. That said, there are coaches out there that have excellent training and backgrounds in Mm -hmm. different different things and can have a powerful impact. And it really is just about finding the right person Mm -hmm. who can help and support and meet your needs and help you with your goals.
0: Yeah. And it's always just interesting for me to hear because I definitely I've been in therapy for Mm -hmm. many years, but I've also I'm working with a coach right now for a specific area of my life. And it's interesting for me to see the overlap, but I'm Mm -hmm. definitely not going to tell my coach things that I tell my therapist and my therapist is definitely not not gonna help me with things my coach can. So it's a right. very interesting thing to to look at to me. What do you think as far as like we just talked at the very start, we happened to chat about, you know, you having kids. Was it hard to be their mom and not their coach sometimes? Or how does
1: that work for you? And did that help inform what you're doing now with working with kids? I can give consent to coach my children because I'm their parent as well. But I was actually just talking with a coach last night about this, because as we learn more about coaching techniques and different ways of helping people discover their own power within themselves... Like, that's a lot of what we want to do as parents or mentors. If you have children in your life or if you teach or if you, you know, if you are an athletic coach or any type of influence on a young person, you don't want to give them the answers. Mm. I mean, as a parent, I sometimes do want to do that. <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, my goal as a parent is to, you know, build an adult who yeah. is capable and independent and compassionate and a contributing member of society, somebody who's going to, you know, build their own legacy in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So if I give them all the answers because that's how I want things to be, then that's not going to get them to where they need to go. Being a parent actually has equipped me very well for coaching. You know, I could say I've been a coach my whole life and then being a parent really leveled up my skills <laughs> because, you know, I've just sort of always seen the the thing behind the thing. Like when people would come to me with drama or struggles, it's like, OK, well, what what's really happening? And that's what coaching does. It You dig underneath, you know, just even raising toddlers, it's they come and they complain and they're crying about the wrong color cup. Well, it's not really about the cup. It's about some sort of lack of control or some other emotion that's at play. So it really is very informative just being a parent or, you know, being around young people. I have I've also done childcare and I like I teach kids in martial arts. So a lot of that training has helped me. And yeah, and and then having them at, at home in the pandemic, it was it was really neat to see some of the way that teachers coached them because it is, is there's, there's so much overlap. You know, some coaches out there do the thing where they're, I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm going to hold you accountable and you're going to check the list and you're going to do what I say. Mm-hmm. And some people need that. There's nothing necessarily wrong or bad or right or whatever about it. I'm sort of more of a mentor guide type of approach. And that's mm-hmm. again, kind of how I teach how I you know parent and then how I coach is well you have what you need, let's get you to a place where you can trust yourself. So I don't do a ton of homework or worksheets or assessments, exercises like that because or you know checking in, checking up, do this, do that. I prefer to just you know let people integrate the learning that they get from themselves based on the question and guidance that I give. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And a friend and I were just talking today about how we can all read all the self help books we want. And we can all seek all the advice we want. But until we apply it, we're not really empowering ourselves. You Mm -hmm. know, he was saying how sometimes he'll read something and be like, ah, you know, this is it. This is what I wanted to know. But then when he applies it, that's when he really feels like, he's got it.
1: And that's the that's the real value of coaching. Because I know, if many people out there are like me, I will read and absorb all the things and I feel like I'm doing something. But, you know, immediately after I close that book, it's like I've forgotten 90% of what's in it. And maybe those one or two things will stick with me and I'll get a new level of awareness or a new level of understanding and be able to apply something like that's always my goal and my intention. When I pick up a new book, when I read through it or take a course or find a free download of something, you know, I want Mm -hmm. to absorb their learning, but like nine times out of 10, it's not anything that I actually, like you said, apply or integrate. So working with a coach, you're able to actually sort of really, really give yourself the time to get into it and really feel it like that learning and how and see how it can apply and how it can impact different aspects of your life.
0: Mm -hmm. So one last question around this this subject, but at this point, then when you're coaching teens and young people, the parents are really seeking out someone to help their kid with something and Mm -hmm. giving up some power I'd say, or some influence in a way. And so if, if maybe a parent's listening who thinks, yeah, there's some stuff my kid's going through that I can't really help them with. Like maybe,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, they didn't go to school and their kid's about to go to college stuff like that. Like that would have been mm-hmm. my situation. Right. Where, what, ha, like what would you say to a parent thinking of asking for help, but then also being like, I don't really want to do that in a way because I'm the parent.
1: Well, and I think that that is, it does take a level of humility and you know, the, the parent has to do that work on themselves saying like, hey, I guess maybe I don't know everything. But it's it's not necessarily all about that. What I see myself doing is I come alongside the parent. I, most of the time, I will interview the parents before talking to their their child because I really want to get a feel for where the parent is at what the parent sees as the struggle and I want to make sure that I'm on the same page with the parent because what I do is I come in and I essentially say what the parent would say in a way that then their teenager can receive it because the thing with teenagers is they are sick of being told what to do by their parent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they think they know Their answers, but deep down, you know, they, they know, they still have probably more questions than answers. And sometimes it's just not like as, as good as a relationship can be with a parent, which a lot of times it is. And the, the parents have invested a lot into their, into their young adults. And they, they do understand that it is time to step back and give their, their child that, that power, that ownership so that it's actually a really expansive collaboration it's bringing somebody else into the circle kind of like in postpartum somebody Mm -hmm. who is not as invested as not as attached who can also speak that that adult wisdom and that truth to the 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 young person in a way that again they can receive because it is for for them. I'm they know I'm showing up for them. Yes, I've collaborated with the parent cuz a lot of time the parent is the one paying for it, the coaching. So it there is a level of collaboration with the parent, but I'm not there for the parent. I'm there for them and they know that. They they do appreciate having another adult voice. I'm again, I see myself as part of a team. Mm-hmm. I, I don't come in with an agenda. And sometimes it can be difficult if maybe during the course of coaching, the decision is made that maybe goes against maybe what the parent would want, but that's another level of, then I get to coach them on how do we communicate with the parent? How do how do mm-hmm. you take, take ownership of this and have the resilience and, and overcome the fear of talking about making a different decision than maybe your parents would expect or like. So that's that's just another level and another opportunity for them to take steps and gain their confidence as they they grow into their their own selves into their own adulthood.
0: Well yeah, and like doing that like making decisions your parents wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. agree with doesn't end when you're 18. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> at all.
1: You so, sound like you may be talking from experience there.
0: A <laughs> little bit of experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned martial arts and mm-hmm. that you teach martial arts, but you're also a black belt. So can you talk about your martial arts practice and how you came into that and what it's done for you, et cetera?
1: Yeah, that's a fun story too. Well, I have three kids. I have three sons. So they are currently 14, 10 and seven. And when my oldest was just about seven, we decided to put him into into karate. And so for the last almost eight years now, he has done karate. And I started watching him on the mat and how the instructors worked with him. We are in an organization that is very purpose and values driven, high emphasis on values as behaviors, applying those those lessons of self discipline, respect, courage, into the their real real world experiences. They're very they they don't earn their next belt rank unless they are achieving their goals at school and at home and everything's mm-hmm. going going well and they're actually making improvements. So that was sort of my introduction into the martial arts world because I never did it as, as a kid. I had, I think, one friend who did. And so yeah, I never did it as a kid, but it was really, really powerful and impactful for my oldest son. My middle son then joined like a year later. And then by the time my youngest joined, that was maybe four-ish years ago, My youngest joined and then after the third family member joined, then the additional family members were free to join, like no monthly membership fee. (laughs) So so when my little one joined, I stepped on the mat for the first time myself and I was really excited and nervous and didn't want to screw it up. I had actually started working out like the summer before because I was like, I don't want to just be out of shape. Middle aged mom stepping on the mat. But it was great because they it really is a school where we meet you where you are, we make sure you're comfortable, you know what to expect, and we want to make you look and feel awesome doing doing the moves. And so yeah, I started as a white belt almost maybe yeah, four-ish years ago and the trajectory to black belt, I just, you know, I just kept showing up to class. I was invited to do the leadership, the legacy instructor training. My sons also are in the leadership program. So they learn how to instruct starting when they're seven, eight, nine years old. They start learning some instructor tools, how to speak, how to get people to hmm. to do what you ask them to do. And and some of these high-level communication skills that, man, I wish I had when I was seven years old because yeah. they are learning tools. And I I love talking to my kids because they just, they are, they're really articulate and they have this level of self-awareness that I don't see in a ton of other children. But we are surrounded a lot by martial artists, so it is easy to kind of get into this expectation that all people are communicating like this but we are we are kind of rare in actuality when we get out into the real world it's like oh i have to i have to use even more high level skills talking with people who don't have the same tools yeah. or language or vocabulary that we have or the experience with the discipline so i feel like my martial arts journey started 7 years ago when my oldest started and then personally my growth just really took off once i actually started the physical practice because I really feel like getting into the physical body is so powerful for unlocking a lot of the blocks we have in our mind as well. So, mm-hmm. I receive training and mentoring in instructing and personally in communication with the martial arts school and the owners of our school and it has it has really Really expanded me in my business, and and I do apply a lot of the the lessons from the martial arts into our into my coaching practice as well. Although I don't actually have people punch and kick stuff unless they need to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway, I different. haven't had to do it yet, but I could I could teach them some stuff if I wanted to. But what's really cool is, I mean, you step out onto the mat as a white belt, you know, however many years ago, at the level of black belt. I mean, I was in a class mm-hmm. this week and we were doing board breaking, which we don't do often in our school, but we were practicing some board breaks and the instructor was like, okay, in this way, you're going to do this spin hook kick to break the board. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Or a jump spin hook kick. Now I'm not one for jumping because I don't want to hurt myself, but (laughs) I just, I was like, okay. And then I just did a spin hook kick and I was like, what? Like I never thought in my mid forties that I would be doing spin hook kicks with not very much advanced notice, but I I've been in martial arts for years now. So there's that's that's the notice I had. Like (laughs) you don't step out on a mat being expected to do a spin hook kick or a jump spin hook kick or, you know, a flying sidekick or whatever it is. You build to that. And that's in anything, in any new practice, whether it's a mental, spiritual, emotional, or physical practice, you have to start where you where you are. You start at the beginning and then you just keep showing up. That's the discipline. That's the resilience. That's that's the work.
0: Yeah. Well, and I guess just along those lines, I think as the older we get, as adults, the more scary it becomes to go and try mm-hmm. to learn a new thing, whatever that is. I think we both share a value about education and learning. And mine, mm-hmm. I'd say, of curiosity is really my value. It yeah. extends to all that. But what, what do you think about it? And what do you say to someone who's like, yeah, I want to learn this thing, but I'm scared. I won't be good at it. I'm scared. I don't know how to learn at this point.
1: Oh, man, just you want to learn a thing, go, go someplace who's doing the thing. Mm -hmm. Talk to someone who's doing the thing. And they'll usually if they're passionate about it, they will tell you all the best things about it and sort of put your mind at ease. The other thing I just heard recently was, you know, fear feeds on time. So the longer mm. you kind of worry and stress about how embarrassing it might be or how hard it might be, then the less likely you might be to actually like push through that fear and go do it. So if you're thinking about doing a thing, just go do the thing. Mm. Just just go. Just try it. You can always stop. But starting is probably the hardest Thing to do. That's we say at the at the school, like the white belt really is the hardest one to to earn. Although you earn it at the end of your first class. Like, yeah, it's all it takes is the courage to step out on the mat and just do your best. Yeah. And that's that that is really for anything. It's I mean, I, they have the, the couch to 5k programs. It's like, well, the first step is getting off the couch. Yeah. And deciding that it's worth it. Deciding that staying stuck in the same thing that you're doing is going to be more painful for you than taking that, that first step in a new direction.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one thing along those lines too, that I, I heard that I think is so true and someone said it to me more recently is if you want to do something and you don't go and try to do it today, a year from now, you'll probably still want to do it. But now a whole year has passed. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's not going to change your desire possibly to want to do it. The time is going
1: to pass regardless.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So either you're closer Mm -hmm. to your black belt or you're not. But the Mm -hmm. time went by. One thing you said too, that your kids have learned and you've learned in like the leadership course of the martial arts is just about communication and how to communicate. And one thing that's important to you is word choice and
1: Mm -hmm.
0: how that impacts, I guess, communication. So can you talk a little bit about what that is to you?
1: Yeah, there's there's a few little shifts that you can make with with word choice. And I really feel like it starts with our self talk. A lot of us, we will talk to ourselves in a way we would never talk to anybody else. And that we would literally beat somebody else up for talking to to our best friend the way we talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. If we make a mistake, we'll like, oh, man, I'm such an idiot or whatever. Like, Really, would you call like your kid an idiot if they screw up? No, you're gonna you love your kid, you're gonna say like, no, I mean it was just a mistake. That's now you've learned one way that doesn't work. Like that's Mm -hmm. there's there's a a totally different way of talking to somebody you really care about and want to see succeed than sometimes we talk to ourselves. So like I've really made it a practice to talk to myself in the way I would talk to like my kids or my best friend or my husband or whatever. And And so sometimes it's just like little shifts in the word choice that we make. For one of the really big ones that is everywhere is changing the word you to the word I when Mm. you're talking about yourself, Mm. right? Because a lot of us, we do this thing where we say, oh, you know how when you do this thing, you feel this way, well, maybe the person you're talking to doesn't. But yeah. we we sort of outsource that so that it because mm. it feels a little safer because then we're not taking ownership of that feeling. But if I say, "Well, when I step out on the mat, I feel really nervous because I know we're going to do this really hard thing." That it changes. It gives you this ownership and I feel like that has given me a lot of confidence. If I just think, okay, if I'm talking about me, I'm going to use I and me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to really be intentional about when I say you, because it's true. I don't know what the, you might be thinking or feeling. Right. So that's, that's one thing. If you watch the news, you'll hear that like a lot or TV or anything. Like a lot of people use you when they really are talking about themselves. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's one. Another one is the should. Oh, I should Mm -hmm. really do this. Oh, I should do that. And it's like, well, that's a little bit of a judgy word. And if we say, well, I'm going to choose to or I get to do this hard thing, it changes the feeling. It changes the whole energy of the self-talk or the talk to somebody else. Yeah. So there, there's a ton of words that I could probably talk a whole episode or more on all of the different word shifts. If, if you just implement a couple at a time, like it'll, it'll change your whole perspective.
0: Yeah, so, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I was an I English
1: major in, in college. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been a word nerd for a long time and just seeing the impact of these changes, it it has made a world of difference.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it never is another word that just mm. kind of...
1: Never, always, everybody, no one. Those are, those are yeah. big drama words.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you mentioned that you did an episode. So you have a podcast called Martial Arts and Crafts Podcast. So what's mm-hmm. your podcast about?
1: So my podcast, it's called Martial Arts and Crafts. Like I, I mentioned before, I'm a creative person and I, I really value creativity. And because of the impact literally that martial arts has made on my life. I, I sort of fell in love with it. And I sort of as a joke, figured, hey, I'll just do martial arts and crafts, because I like wordplay. And it turned into this thing. And I, I made a podcast called martial arts and crafts. So we talk about creativity and discipline and structure. And a lot of these you know, personal development kind of kind of things. And sometimes I'll tie it into the martial arts, sometimes I don't. But it really is about that, about freedom and structure and creativity and discipline. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the the duality of that, the overlap and the connection between things that don't always seem connected.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and creativity does take discipline because mm-hmm it's the it's the difference between like for me i want to be a writer versus i am a writer that's mm-hmm. you know for
1: me it's the discipline that's the like, identity piece too the yeah. identifying yourself as what you want to be mm-hmm. instead of saying oh well when i have this that or the other thing or meet this goal then i will do x and be y but if you start with the who you are and who I start identifying with who you want to be. That's that's where a whole whole new horizon opens up.
0: Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Well, we've talked quite a bit about different things that can be construed as advice. But do you have any? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any advice or mantra that you want to share? Like if there was one thing you'd want to say to people that you
1: haven't? I I've talked about the words if if you can make those little word shifts change you to I change should to get I get to those are those are some great places to start and another thing is is what you focus on that's what that that's what grows that's what comes to you so I always try to do to speak from the positive instead of saying something like oh I want to quit smoking or whatever it is Say, I am a non-smoker. I do a lot with my kids. Like instead of saying don't run in the street, they don't hear don't. Say walk on the sidewalk. So mm. whatever it is you want to do, frame it to the positive. Because our our brains don't register that don't or not or whatever. Like you're actually still focusing on the thing you don't want if mm-hmm. you if you frame it that way. So where your focus goes, that's where their energy goes. And That is what's going to grow. So that, that would be another piece of advice I would, I would leave your, your audience with too, is try and frame if you're, if you're wanting to make a change, frame it to the positive. And even if you're giving somebody feedback, say what you want, ask for what you want. A Mm. lot of us focus so much on what we want to avoid or what we don't want, but we're still focusing on that thing. If you think about, intentionally saying what you do want to bring in, what you do want to see someone else do. If you're a leader, if you're coaching somebody, ask for what you want. Don't say, I'm going to tell you what I don't want. So mm-hmm. focus on the the result, the impact, the outcome you want instead of what you don't want. That would be, that would be my last bit of, bit of wisdom I could share.
0: Perfect. I think that's, for me, it's been valuable to hear just now. My last set of questions is called the fun five. And I Mm asked everybody this set of questions. So we'll, we'll do those. What's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear?
1: I don't know that I have anything that's super old. Several years ago, I, we got the, there was a t-shirt pack from this show called the Venture Brothers. And we got the, the weekly t-shirts or something. So I think those are the oldest ones that I still wear. Cause that was, I don't know, maybe six or eight years ago. I don't know. I'm not sure how long ago those are, but my t-shirts are relatively new and in good shape. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't wear a lot of t-shirts. I wear mostly our karate sh- t-shirts now <laughs> when I wear yeah. t-shirts. I wear the karate ones. Yeah. Cool. If every
0: day was really Groundhog's Day, like in the film where the same song woke you up every day from your alarm clock, what
1: song would you have your
0: alarm clock play?
1: So I I love this question you sent this one to me, and the first one that came to my mind is actually from a playlist I made based around my word of the year. I do a thing where I pick a, a word for the whole year, and my word this year is shine. And so the one from that playlist that I think would be great to wake up to every morning is I Just Want to Shine by Fits in the Tantrums. Oh. And it's just a great little song. It's upbeat. And it, the line in it is like, today is going to be my day. Like, it's just, it's a really cool little song. And it it gets me, it makes me happy. Awesome. Oh, that's
0: good. And I don't think I have one of their songs on my list. Maybe I do. There's a Spotify playlist with all the songs. So it's mm-hmm. pretty eclectic. So this will be a nice ad. Oh, fun. Uh, yeah, I like it. All right, so coffee or tea or neither? Can I say both? <laughs> of course, you
1: can say I both. Do have, I do have a small cup of coffee in the morning. I'm not like a extra fancy coffee drinker, but I'm not a black coffee drinker. I have to have a, a little milk in it, but I do love tea. Sometimes I'll, I'll ditch the coffee, but I will always drink tea.
0: Nice, cool. So can you think of something that really makes you like laugh, start you cry or something that just cracks you up when you think of it?
1: Um, it's usually my kids. It's something about my kids. One thing is just my 7-year-old is just almost like a carbon copy of his dad. So just seeing <laughs> seeing him resemble my husband has just been hilarious at times. And then the other one is my 14-year-old like just even last night I just looked at him and he just starts cracking up. So every time I think of that and just like he's this you know growing young man, teenage boy and I'm just like I just I'm not even looking at him in a weird way, but he's just like cracking up and that just is my favorite because I'm just like it just makes me happy that I can just like look at him and he's like stop it I'm Like I'm not even yeah. doing
0: anything <laughs> yeah but that's great I mean I think with family and I like with siblings too it's like that mm-hmm. you know you just start laughing for no reason yeah. all right last one
1: who inspires you right now I'm gonna I'm gonna give the mom answer again my kids really do like they each each of the three of them They're spectacular in their own way and they challenge me. And if it hadn't been for them, I wouldn't be where I am right now because again, with the martial arts, it was this lesson of looking at myself and seeing what I was asking them to do and challenging myself and saying, if I'm not willing to be an example of living values in this way, Mm -hmm. how can I expect them to do the same thing? Like where else are they going to see it the most? And that's, that comes from me. That comes from their dad. That comes from us as the examples in their lives. So they are really inspiring because they do, they hold up that mirror of, you know, our best selves and our worst selves. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. they, the conversations I have even just with my 10 year old are just powerful and exciting. And he is brilliant. And I mean, they all are, and they just, challenge me in their own different special ways and it is just a pleasure to to have them around Hmm.
0: well that's that's great and it's nice that that's your experience with your kids and that you talk about them in that way for sure because some people don't you know like Mm. there's a lot of online especially people say stuff about their Mm. kids and i just go those are your kids. Like, what are you doing? If I
1: if I can change the way we use our language online, oh, it will be a beautiful world.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, if people want to look you up and look up your coaching or your podcast or whatever. Where do you want them to go?
1: Well, my main website is saradeacon.com. That's for the coaching. And the podcast is wherever you listen to podcasts, it's martial arts and crafts. And the social handles, I have Sarah Deacon Coach. It's my name and coach, no H and Sarah, and my martial arts N crafts. So it's the letter N because the ampersand doesn't do it for the (laughs) for the social handle. So my martial arts N crafts is the social on Instagram, Facebook, and Sarah Deacon coach. And yeah, I'm I'm out there. I'm all around. Cool. Well, Sarah, thanks so much. It
0: was really nice talking to you. And I know people are going to love this episode. So thank you.
1: Yeah, awesome. It was so great to be here. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes. Joe Mafia created the music you're listening to. You can find him on Spotify at Joe M-A-F-F-I-A. Rob Metke does all the design, for which I am so grateful. You can find him online by searching Rob M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels at, at More morethanworkpod or at, at Comedy on TikTok and the website is morethanworkpod.com While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.